Welcome to Commune, a global wellness community and online course platform featuring some of the world's greatest teachers. We are on a mission to inspire, heal, pass down wisdom, and bring the world closer together. This is the Commune podcast, where each week we explore the ideas and practices that help us live this healthy, connected, and purpose-filled life. You can check out our courses, our community, and everything we do at onecommune.com. This week on the show, I interview mindful entrepreneur Susie Yaloff-Schwartz, founder of Unplug Meditation. Unplug operates two meditation studios in Los Angeles and has an app that provides guided meditations for virtually every imaginable aspect of life. Unplug is, in a way, a gateway drug for meditation. I mean, in the healthiest way. It meets people where they are. It helps people start their meditation journey and then go deeper. You can go to an Unplugged studio for a guided meditation class, a sound bath, breath work, aromatherapy, and yes, there's even some crystals in there, and emerge simply more relaxed, more connected to yourself and to the present moment. Susie is also the author of Unplug, a simple guide to meditation for busy skeptics and modern soul seekers. She gets to soak in the daily epiphanies, both small and epic, of these soul seekers. What a lovely way to spend the day. She's got a big, beautiful vision of how this old, simple practice can change humanity. You'll hear all about that from our interview from the Topanga Library. My name is Jeff Krasno, and welcome to Commune. Can you remember the first time that you meditated? Yes. And, and why? Yeah, I was so stressed out. And my <laughs> my mother-in-law was like, you need to breathe. And I'm like, you're right, I actually do. So she did this little three-minute exercise with me. And afterwards, I said, wow, what was that? And she said, it's called meditation. You you really should do it. Mm. And this I is your like, mother-in-law. Yeah, my mother-in-law. And mother-in-laws are not the typical archetype for teaching meditation. She's a psychotherapist, right. and she used this technique with her patients. So when I went back to L.A. and I Googled places to meditate, I realized that it was, you know, I'm a New Yorker. Yeah, me too. So I don't have patience. Actually, that is my biggest challenge. Patience is my biggest challenge. So I went to go search places to go to learn to meditate, and everything was really long. Yeah. And that turned me off. I mean, it was also expensive, four days in some guy's apartment, learning Vedic meditation, six-week program at UCLA, hmm. the 21-day meditation series with Deepak Chopra. Those were the ones that were available at that time. Right. And so I decided to just try them all. So I started doing all of them. And I said to my husband, I'm like, I'm going to quit fashion because I was a fashion editor before that. And I'm going to open up a meditation studio that's kind of like a quick place to go where you can go in, go out, and feel better in 30 minutes or under. Hmm. And so fashion must have been very stressful. It stresses me out, as you can tell. Right. I have none. That's why I've forsaken it. I loved it. I have to say, like, I loved the fashion industry. So it's kind of like similar to this industry, similar to the movie industry in that you travel with the same people. Mm-hmm from one location to the next location to the next location. So for me, you know, I was lucky enough to go to Paris and Milan and New York covering fashion shows backstage in the front of the house 
and it was exciting and fun. Yeah. I loved it. And now you can go all those places with meditation. Now I can re-accessorize the meditation instructors. <laughs> Don't wear, are you going to wear that? No, Kevin. <laughs> um, so, so then you opened a studio. How was that? What was that experience like? Do you have any retail experience that way? Or? You know, the truth is, as I always say, I had no business opening up a business. This was an idea. I'm one of those founders that it's the big idea and I'm excited and I'm passionate, but the logistics, I knew I had no idea what I was doing. Mm. So I said to my husband, I'm opening up this studio and he said, okay, this is how much money we can lose. He went in with full confidence that way. And so I... (laughs) That's not exactly manifesting (laughs) from the end, but sure, it's an approach. Right, and I I had this vision that everybody would want to do this. Who wouldn't want to feel better? Mm. So We're very comfortable in our discomfort. Right. It's like a place we like to go to. That pain, suffering, it's very familiar. I'm the opposite of that. I'm very uncomfortable in discomfort, <laughs> and I'm constantly seeking comfort. Okay. So I found this spot on Wilshire Boulevard, and I op- I literally just took a lease, five years. This guy believed in my concept. He let me do it, and I opened it up, and I had this huge launch party. Everybody always said, you know, you open this, I'll be there every day. Day two, <laughs> crickets. crickets. I'm by myself with the meditation instructor, First one, second class, third class. It was me and this tree hugger named Ari. The two of us were together alone in the room for a lot of the classes. Fortunately, he's still a member. Ari is my man. When Ari goes, I know that we're done. Yeah. I had such a similar experience opening Wanderlust. We, you know, we opened in Hollywood. Big, amazing release party or launch party with all sorts of luminaries and whatnot, you know, Everyone is, yeah, this is the place, you know, and then, um, yeah, day, maybe not day two, but day three was like, whoa, reality. Uh, right. Um, but you stuck with it. Yeah. I knew it was going to happen. And I, I always said to my husband, I'm like, either this is going to be the most expensive private meditation studio yeah. or people will come. Right. And I was lucky people came, but I had to switch the formula a little bit. Yeah. Like it went from being straight up mindfulness, which not a lot of people wanted to do, to sprinkling on sound baths, guided imagery, aromatherapy. Some girl walked in. She's like, I do tapping. I'm like, what's that? Okay, let's do that. So I started doing that. So we we tried all, even though I love myself. No, but we we did all that stuff. Yeah. And now, well, now you've opened another location. Mm-hmm. And... What's the vision? I mean, is this like, is there an imperial conquest to take unplug meditation across the country in brick and mortar centers near you? Or is this, is that enough for you? Well, it started off, I remember I was sitting in my son's room and there was a map of the world and I'm like, unplug is going to be like Starbucks. There'll be one on every corner. Then I opened up a location number two. Mm. And And then what happened was, I pivoted and I pivoted because this guy named Yaron who worked at ESPN who was a member at Unplug said he hated leaving Unplug because he missed the teachers Mm. and could I record Lauren Ekstrom and a couple of his favorite teachers and I said he said I'll help you do it 
you really should like put these people on video you should you should stream live actually is what he said so i said you know what let's try it so we filmed them upstairs in our loft area and i loved it too because then i put it on this templated app and every morning i would wake up click a button and then i'd meditate with my teachers and then i thought oh my gosh, we should do this. So people were like, can you do one for divorce? Can you do one for PTSD? Can you do one for anxiety? Can you do... So I started collecting all of the people who worked with me or were members at Unplug, all of their desires, needs, and questions and started having these teachers do these things. And someone said, what's a sound bath? I'm like, oh, we'll put it on the app for you. So we basically, there's nothing on the app that you can't think of and click a button and shift it. Yeah. So once I built the Unplug app and then we took it off that template and built it out ourselves, that became like the passion play right. because now all of a sudden we're in 92 countries. Yeah. We went from a little studio where all of a sudden it was exploding because a lot of people were coming to being able to hit the entire country and the world. Yeah. I mean, for me, I think the combination is important. I, I, even though I run a digital, largely digital media business right now, um, I do think being able to create container for physical in real life experiences is probably more important than ever. Mm -hmm. um, because for me, that's the deep, real commitment and also where community forms and bonds. Um, is are, are you finding that, you know, what's the relationship with the app and the physical locations you find there there is that synergy there how do you see it i always say we're digital we're physical studio and we're a digital brand mm -hmm. just like you are actually the physical going to the studio handing over your phone going to, into a room for 45 minutes with like a teacher and feeling the energy of 75 people in the room there's nothing better than that right that's like the big moment how we try to make it very personal on the app is it's video based unlike most meditation apps where you hear a voice in your head and you don't know who's speaking to you you can look them in the eyes and they're looking directly at you as if they're connecting with you and teaching you specifically and you feel connected mm -hmm. so when I click Heather Hayward feeling overwhelmed. I see Heather in my face and I look in her eyes and it's almost like she's speaking directly to me and that's how we filmed everything. Yeah. But it's not the same. Just like, I mean, for people who are just listening to this who've never been to Commune, coming here is like, oh my God, it's a moment that's bigger than life. Mm -hmm. So to be able to do that, come to this physical space and really be unplugged and see what you've done here you can't capture that even on video you can't capture that feeling anywhere so much of the kind of current uh like meditation marketing or commercialism if you will is mm -hmm. like based around like optimal performance and like focus and like and those things are like totally important but sometimes i like play those out in my brain a little bit of like well i'm going to be more focused at work so I can accumulate more material objects so I can heighten my less, my sort of stress and anxiety. So then I essentially need meditation. And I wonder where you fall kind of on the spectrum of like, is meditation a tool for higher consciousness or is meditation a tool for reality or 
modern life? Well, just like at Commune, how you're trying to strip away all the things that are bad for the earth, I kind of feel that way with meditation. So for me, I want more and more of less and less. And Maria Abramovich, basically, she's the one who coined that phrase, but I feel that way. Mm. Like, I just want more of less. Mm. So it's almost like I want to think less. I want less stuff. I want to just, I want to keep it simple. Mm. And I think there's, we're plugged in 24 seven. There's so much coming at us with like social and just merchandise and everything. And I think people are like, it's too much. Mm -hmm. So it's a way of kind of clearing everything out of my brain and allowing myself to stay clear Mm -hmm. and actually being able to choose how I want to live my life. And that for me, yeah, for work, maybe it's helping me crush it. But for friendships, it's helping me have deeper conversations with people. Mm-hmm. For my personal family life, it's helping me be more present with my husband and my children. And that's something that I lacked before. I was not present. I was checking the boxes before. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't actually there. There was no there there. And there, do you have that awareness now of kind of that chattering voice in your head of, of being sort of the witness to it and not being it have you cultivated that for yourself so much so that i don't even have that voice anymore oh, shit, so really? i've fired, <laughs> fired your there's imaginary there's friend. been i fired my imaginary friend who said not nice things to me yeah. that voice is no longer there oh, because brilliant. i don't need it anymore i'm able to see it and it doesn't keep coming back hmm. so i i actually feel more confident because I'm not allowing those negative thought patterns in. I'm, I'm aware of them quickly mm-hmm. when they do come. Mm-hmm. And they're quickly released. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when we, uh, obviously, like, one of the most prescient, salient problems in our culture right now is stress and anxiety. Mm-hmm. I mean, in every survey that we do to our audience... It's always number one. Sleep. Sleep is up there too. Right. And they're very, they're correlated. Um, And play that out, you know, if you're looking at like chronic disease in this country uh, or globally, um, it's absolutely 100% correlated to inflammation, which is 100% correlated, amongst other things, to stress and anxiety Mm -hmm. um so there would obviously be um a tremendous place for any tools that relieved and addressed stress and anxiety within our healthcare system because they're so linked to chronic disease are you finding is are we making any progress there Yes. So Tamara Horwich, who's a cardiologist at UCLA, says that stress can kill you and meditation can save your life. And the reason why is because meditation is factually proven to lessen stress. You're stressing less Mm -hmm. when you meditate and you're able to 
instead of notice yourself when you're getting activated and let the cortisol run free for a long time, you're able to pause it and come back to your breath, slow it down. And that actually sends a signal to your brain, everything's okay, and then you can actually reset your body. So you're self-soothing. read a bit about the history of meditation and there's some debate about its inception. There's a passage in the Old Testament, I think in the book of Genesis, about Isaac meditating in a field. Um, at the very least, you could you could track meditation to the Buddha some 25 years ago. Either way, it's bloody old. Now, why, why do you think that this ancient practice is being rediscovered right now? Why is it important right now? Well, I think because we're repackaging it. Mm. So people feel so disconnected from themselves and from others, and they want to reconnect with themselves and know their why. Why am I here? And if you don't ever stop and ask, you're never going to know the answer to the question. So I think, well, for unplug meditation, we make it really simple for people to feel comfortable to just stop, take a breath, observe the present moment and move on with their life. We make it light and then they can go deeper with us and we don't make it, here's the, here's another thing. I think the way it was packaged before felt a little hippie to some people. There were people who they couldn't relate to who were teaching it. They talked really slow. They weren't, um, you know, they didn't look the same. They were wearing this mawkish, somewhat gauzy, galactical, crystally depiction of your aunt in a field (laughs) meditating. But when you say this is just a technique, you know, I love David G., I know you know him, but he talks a lot about thoughts. And some people will say, I see purple lights. I hear dead people when I stop and meditate. And he's like, thought, thought. Everything that's not you connecting with your breath, letting it go. Mm. Everything else that happens in your mind or whatever happens to you, thought. Yeah. And so by making it palatable and simple you're able to bring in the people who would never do this. Yeah, it's interesting. I've traipsed through the halls of venture capital and and private equity firms doing dog and pony shows. And and generally, they'll say, sorry, son, uh, you don't meet our investment profile. Uh, But can you tell me a little bit more about this meditation thing? Because I'm wicked stressed. Or last week, I did a round of pitch meetings at HBO, Showtime, Comedy Central, and other streaming companies everyone's a freaking meditator. I mean, meditation has become a really prevalent mainstream practice. And that's great. The more people doing this, the better the world will be. I agree with you. I agree with you. But the world is pretty fucked up. Really fucked up right now. That's why everybody needs to be doing this. Yeah, I mean, I, I think what we really need is a global shift in consciousness, right? I mean, I, I've been a Democrat all my life, and while I'd greatly prefer Elizabeth Warren or whoever the Democratic nominee would be over the current president, I'm not really sure it's going to change the basic human condition. And we had Barack Obama for eight years, a beautiful man. 
but but the rich got richer and the poor got poorer and we were deporting immigrants and there were mass shootings and mass incarceration. I mean, what we need, I believe, really is a change of consciousness. And then the human condition will change from there. So how do we spread this practice? Do we need like a transcendental messenger or, or is it technology? Okay. I genuinely believe that 10 years from now, Unplug and all the apps that are out there will be obsolete because we are going to get meditation into the schools. And I believe that we need to start with, we need to play the long game and have the kindergartners, the first graders, the second graders, the elementary schools all doing this. And it's not a religious practice. It's breathing technique. The cops mm. are doing it. You know, the military is now in on this whole thing. But to have kids start that way with self-awareness, understanding the, their, the power of their ripple in the world and with other people, I think that'll really help make America nice again. Yeah. And civil. Civil. It's lost its civility. Yeah. I think that would be the way to change it's not going to be through older people helping older people. They're okay. kind of already set. So really get it inside the institutions that have scale, especially with our children. Mm -hmm. There's a Dalai Lama quote. He said, teach every child to meditate and we'll eliminate world war in one generation. I'm on board with that 100%. And we are at, right now doing stuff with this school called 107. Mm. And it's really effective. So... The principal there, Catherine Sullivan, when kids go into her office, she has them do a time in for 10 minutes and then they talk mm -hmm. on our app, actually. Wow. And now, and we have also sent teachers into the school and it's been very helpful. And I feel like that needs to just be, all the teachers need to teach the kids, not meditation teachers going in. It needs to be circle time in the morning. Right. And circle time maybe should never stop. Right. So I mean, in some ways you have to teach the teachers. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to do that. Yeah. Is that the big vision? I mean, how old are you now? Not, not Me, you. 53. <laughs> not you, sorry. I didn't mean you. Actually, 52. Um, I mean, unplug. Oh, <laughs> unplug, uh, unplug yeah. is five. You're five. Um, we're five. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's that's the hardest time, the first couple of years. Um, and, you know, in your mind's eye, you must have a big vision or a vision for where you want this to go. Mm -hmm. Is that what it is? Bring it to the kids? I would love every kid to do this. I would love it to be part of every company in the culture. I mean, I worked at Condé Nast, which is a very stressful company. Um, and I loved it, as I said, but it was fashion is stressful. To be able to have a place or a turnkey wellness system so that people can have mental wellness at their fingertips when they need it most, whether it's in the middle of the night at two o'clock in the morning when they can't stop thinking first thing in the morning before they go into the office at work, after work. I think my vision is to be able to help people when they need it. Mm -hmm. And that would be right now what I would like to do in the world. And I feel like we're doing that with our app, even though nobody knows it exists. That's not true. Well, very few. And then kids that would be part of the the what's the word that i'm searching for like the passion piece the passion play no money totally free 
get every kid to do this and train the teachers to train the kids. Yeah, totally true. I mean, it's funny, you know, I have, 15, I have three daughters, a 15-year-old who is experiencing the stress of being a teenager. Um, but being a teenager, teenager in the modern world, you know, with, you know, Instagram and social media constantly being judged, constantly essentially projecting her identity of herself through the eyes of others, you know, all the things. Um, and also with a very, very short attention span, because essentially she's getting like pinged and dinged from all sorts of different directions and marketed to all the time, nonstop. Um, and she will have, you know, these essentially these little panic attacks around that. I don't think she's alone. Mm -hmm. um, and she's a very successful kid, very well liked, and it does well in school um, for some godforsaken reasons. I don't know. It's not definitely not her parents. Um, and, you know, when she has these moments of difficulty, um, you know, I'll try to be supportive dad and I'll be like, hey, you know, Phoebe, um, you know, I have plenty of anxiety myself. Um, and, you know, I just have accrued more tools to be able to deal with that anxiety. And she'll look me right in the eye and she'll say, dad, don't you dare fucking say meditation. <laughs> 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 so there, there, there's a marketing piece, you know, to this too, right. where, you know, we have to, like you say, demystify some of the stigma around mm -hmm. meditation. So how do you, how would you get, I mean, I, I believe I share your vision. I believe that's a great way to go. Let's bring this practice into every public s school. Mm -hmm. But how do you kind of demystify some of that woo-woo-ness around it? Well, I have to quote David Jeegan. <laughs> yeah. I feel like sometimes I'm his publicist or his spokesperson, but <laughs> he put it so eloquently when he said that when he goes into the military or works with cops, he calls it tactical breathing. When mm -hmm. he goes into the schools, he calls it mindfulness. And when he goes into the studios or the ashrams, he calls it meditation. And in essence, he's teaching the exact same thing. It is the exact same thing because I have to say, having studied maybe not every single meditation, but I would probably say I've hit at least 90% of all the meditations that are out there. They're all the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. Step one, you focus on one thing, whether it's a mantra, the smell or sensory experience, or your breath. Step two, you let it slip away. I'm here. It's now. I'm present. I feel good. And then your mind starts wandering, and then you go back to step one. That's it. I've never met anyone who can contradict that it's anything other than that. And when I said to Steve Ross, who was a, one of the great teachers of all time, you know, what's the secret to going deeper? He said, you know what the secret is? You just do it longer. And I said, well, if we had an advanced meditation class, what would it look like? He said, it would be me coming in, telling everybody to close their eyes, going out for dinner for an hour and a half and coming back and having them open it. And I always thought that was so <laughs> funny, but he's it's true. Like sitting alone with yourself, people have a hard time. Yeah. And if you can't sit alone with yourself, how can you expect other people to want to yeah. hang out with you? Do you worry at all about the over-secularization of meditation? I mean, I, I do. I mean, I worry that the modern world kind of strips spirituality out of everything all the time just to make it more palatable. Like yoga becomes asana. Meditation becomes a, a life hack for succeeding at work. 
we have this kind of over-rationally romanticist post-enlightenment approach to the world that starts to commodify everything, and, and it strips out the God piece. And I don't mean God as, as an old geezer in a robe, but, but God as love, charity, compassion, forgiveness. Is there, is there not a place for God in, in the discussion of meditation? Here's the deal. We meet people where they are. So one person might be really into God. Another person might not believe in God. The way that we dispense, shall we say, meditation is we will have them all have their own experience. Hmm. So one person will walk away saying, I think I just saw God. And another person will walk away saying, I really walked away feeling grateful for Mm. just myself Mm. um, or my breath, you know, they will both have powerful experiences, but it's an internal thing. And each individual brings whatever they want to, to the practice. So when I say secular, yeah, I'm not planting the seeds of suffering. I'm not planting Mm -hmm. the seeds of sadness. I'm not planting the seeds of religion, but you can bring what you want into it. So how do we do this? Basically, when we guide a meditation, we'll say, we won't say, notice if you're feeling uncomfortable. Notice if you're feeling sad. We'll never say that. We'll just say, notice how you're feeling. 50% of the room feels like crap. The other 50% of the room feels amazing. But we're not bringing attention to the, the, the ones who feel good, all the stuff that doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. So I think it's very important to be able to strip out things so that people can have the most powerful experience that's their own. And I think that actually is one of the problems with, in my opinion, some of the meditation practices is they go heavy on the darkness and then they wonder why nobody wants to do it anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Whereas we, our philosophy at Unplug is very simple. People come to us because they want to feel better. So if they don't feel five times better on the way out than they did on the way in, then we didn't do our job. Our job is to make you feel better than you did before you started. Some people are hysterically crying in the room at the breathwork classes. But at the end, they're like, I feel so much better because I was able to release and let go. And they have these huge, powerful experiences. And it's beautiful. And they're sitting next to a person who's like, I just, you know, did 360s around the globe out of my body. And another person who's like, I just sat here and felt good enjoying the music. But it's because we didn't bring any triggers in there. They were bringing them in themselves. Mm. Mm. So that's my answer to that. I'm a firm believer in the secular practice because I think you can appeal to more people and they can have their own personal experience. Yeah. God as they understand it. Just being a part of uh, being able to witness that every day, those kind of what you just described, kind of people having different levels of epiphanies. Um, That must be a very wonderful way to spend time. I love it. Every day I get hugs, tears, people who come up with these genius ideas and they said I came up with it in the room. People who write screenplays and books and, you know, they're having these powerful experiences in the room. They say it's the room where it happens, like Hamilton. They're like, that's the room where it happens. We even had people from the Ray Donovan show come in because they, you know, the writer wrote an episode in there. 
And it's cool. I mean, yeah. I, I love it. I love what it does for people. It does so many different things for so many different people. It's constantly surprising me. I had no idea. Yeah. Well, it's a great service. Thank you so much for doing what you do. And I'm 100% with you about trying to get this to more children. I have three children. And I think you're absolutely right. That if we can make a difference early on in people's lives, then we can really have a tremendous amount of impact. So thank you for doing everything that you're doing. Thank I'm you. A big supporter. Thank you. I appreciate that, Jeff. This was fun. And I'm a huge supporter of Commune because I think what you're doing is amazing. This was a really special experience. So thank you. Yeah. We'll do it again. That's all from the Commune for this week. I really appreciate you listening, uh, and I'd love for you to email me. I love hearing from you any old time at jeffk at onecommune.com. My name is Jeff Krasno, and I'll see you next week. Yeah.